0: And welcome to Newsreel with Joe and Neil. I'm Joe. I'm Neil. And this week we're going to be talking about the Skripal saga. As
1: and, if it hasn't gone on long enough.
0: I know. Six months. Six months, Joe.
1: We're getting a lot of legs. A lot of, a lot of mileage. The story is a lot of legs. There's a lot of mileage out of this one.
0: I'm sick of it. And I haven't even like, taken more than like a passing interest. Because really, I just know it's something you don't want to go down. Because it's endless permutations and speculation because the evidence for it, even the evidence in defence issued in its defence, obviously by the Russian side, is also like, well, that's not really convincing either. Thank you. So they're both sitting on this thing, you know, and it's it's like, why didn't they just have England versus Russia in the World Cup? That would have been more enjoyable than this six-month, drudge match
1: mm.
0: which is what it is it's basically a political football match between the two countries
1: and everybody's meant to be uh up in arms about you're it.
0: meant to be yeah and you're meant to be cheering for your side and one side thinks uh, the british side in the last couple of weeks thinks it scored a, a late goal a winner mm. and uh yeah i mean as far as they're concerned this is proof that there you go with two russian suspects um there they are in salisbury late goal we win the match Y'all go home now, and us, for example, anyone critical of their version of events, your Russian troll is busted wide open. We have two Russians on the scene, they're shifty. Mm-hmm. Russia did it.
1: Mm-hmm. All of this is actually a very good example of human psychology at work. I, don't, I don't, we have talked about it in the past, uh, Jonathan Haidt's book on. Um, moral taste buds what's the name of it again the righteous mind the righteous mind jonathan hyde he basically talks about how what motivates people he uses uh, analogy of an elephant being your unconscious motivations <clears throat> and the rider on the elephant being your conscious mind that creates narratives to justify your unconscious motivations that you're not really aware of and your your elephant your unconscious motivations are to do with kind of like well it's probably partly to do with your your upbringing and very much to do with your your in-group or how you self-identify or what group you identify with you know nationality race all that kind of stuff and also your own personal motivations like you want to look good your own self-image and all that kind of stuff you know so you lump all that together and that's all the that's that makes up a lot of these uh it makes up more or less the totality of your unconscious motivations that you're not really aware of but they kind of seep up from below and uh and it can be just—it's all very subjective, right? Very personal and and limited in that respect. It's not—it's not an accurate, objective view of of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but you get this feeling that comes up, and then very quickly, immediately within milliseconds, your conscious mind will create a narrative, depending on how intelligent intelligent you are. You'll make a more convincing or more complex. Let's say not more convincing necessarily more complex narrative to justify what you want to believe, what you want to be the truth. It's not to do with the truth itself, it's, you know, such as it may be. You, it's about what you want to believe. Uh, and that's, like I said, it's based on all sorts of personal <clears throat> inclinations and your history and where you're from and all that kind of stuff. So as a general rule, there's no such thing as truth in the human domain. No, no such thing as objective truth. Uh, not from the media, not from government, probably least of all from those people. But certainly among the ordinary people of the world, there's very little truth as well about, you know, you have to really dig and push a person to get at the truth uh, of, of what's going on, what they really, why they were really uh, doing what they were doing. Not the narrative, not the BS explanation, but really, why did you really do that? Why are you really saying that? Why are <clears> you really thinking that? So, But Joe, this, people this have come
0: here to hear it from us, the truth about what happened here.
1: Yeah, but they need to know that everything that they, as it relates to Skripal and everything else in the media is based in what I just said. Mm-hmm. It's based in narratives yeah. and it's based in subjective, uh, biased, uh, viewpoint. So you're not, so any, anybody who thinks that they're going to get the truth from, um, even any, any side in, in a debate like this. Is fooling themselves and are completely unaware of how human beings actually operate and how they you know how they're made up how they're psychologically made up um, that doesn't mean it can't be done but f- the very first thing you need to do is be aware of that in- uh, tendency to create narratives that justify personal bias you know and, pe- and like I said the smarter people are and of course you can have journalists and politicians who are quite intellectually gifted and they can create quite complex and convoluted narratives uh, but if you dig into them, you'll you'll see quite clearly that they are also um, that's all they are. They're narratives. narratives, and they have no rational, logical foundation. In the case of what pisses me off about the Skripal business is in the case of uh, the journalists and the politicians in, in the UK and in the West in general, uh, they simply state something that they want to believe; they want to be true. Russia killed the Skripals. Russia sent these two guys, Attempted to, or whatever. tried to sent these two guys to uh, poison the Skripals. Uh, clear evidence, but um, what they're not doing is explaining how their conclusion that Russia is to blame here, uh, how, it, how, they, how they reached that conclusion, conclusion, or if the facts of the case support that conclusion, which they don't. Uh, for example, like, I mean, I, I used that analogy uh, previously when we were talking about uh, in, in mathematics when you're at school, you can't just, if you're given an equation to solve, you can't just dump the answer on the piece of paper on the test. You have to show your work, show how you logically came, that you understand how, how you came to the conclusion that, and that your conclusion makes sense, makes, right. makes, logi- makes logical sense. And journalists need to do that as well. They can't just say, Russia did it. They have to show their work effectively. So they'll have to show, in this case, how two, for example, many different things, but one of them being uh, how two experienced spies uh, who went to the UK to assassinate someone uh, were unable to hide their identities.
0: Unable to do so to assassinate... Well, first of all, well,
1: that's the second thing. They weren't able to do it. They, 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 And of course, the media is now catching up with these flaws in the narrative where there's a story today in the Telegraph saying... Uh, that the two guys were on, on video, were put on video by the Russian government or by the Russian intelligence agency as a punishment for their botched job. Mm-hmm. So they messed up, and here's your punishment. We're going to shove you out there into public view, and you're going to have to, we're going to embarrass you, basically, which is obviously, that in itself doesn't make any sense, you know. But anyway, yeah, so the, the people claiming that the Russians did this have to show various different things. Why to obviously experience spice? I mean, you don't just send anybody, Russia has a long, history of spycraft in the cold war it was honed to a very high level just as it was in the west so russia has no lack of experienced spies let's say and a a spy spy spycraft as it's called tradition certainly it's very high level so you would assume that if russia is going to go and kill uh a russian agents are going to kill uh, two people in the uk they're going to do it you know based on all of the known at least at, at the very least on the known ways that spies operate at a very kind of crafty and sneaky spy kind of way, right?
0: Absolutely, and there are some amazing stories I mean, Yeah, how they do it. Like, they... There, it wouldn't be a Russian popping up in Colombia to kill someone who they want to kill, who happens to be, whatever, he's an ally of the United States in some way. They would have an associate who's friendly with the people they've got to know in, for example, Angola in the 1960s, Right. Have him get someone hired in Latin America. It'd be a, right. he, it would be a, it would be an absolute minefield to discover, and it right. probably wouldn't until many years later.
1: Yeah, and what about you know killing Skripal with, you know, what what's wrong with uh, him having an accident? You know, some kind of unfortunate accident. Just wait for a moment or cont- contrive a situation where he's on his own and uh, having a walk in the in the countryside or something and. Don't we just found dead with uh, I mean, well, long ago, like the, narrative. The, uh, the House Select Intelligence Committee in the 1970s or 80s, 70s, had the uh, in the US had the, 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 the heart attack gun. Yeah, a, a dart that basically could be fired from a gun almost silently from a significant distance, hit someone uh, the dart itself would dissolve it would provoke a heart attack and there'll be nothing left in the person's system to show that they had it, that anything happened to them other than they had a heart attack. Russians obviously have that technology as well, have had it for decades, so why couldn't they have done that to Scripple if they just wanted them out of the way, the, uh, they wanted to make a show of it? Is yes, this that's, that's
0: the narrative. Um, Dan Hanan is um, a politician in the, in the UK, but he's also a writer, very good writer, You know, very smart guy. Uh, he comes up with something to fill that in, which is that, well, he wasn't the only one saying this, but the, the filler in for that part is simply that it was meant the whole world was meant to see that it was Russia doing it. The message was, we can get into your country and do these kinds of things. But, but deliberately, look, we did
1: it. Yeah, but, but by definition, then, they decrease significantly decrease the chance that they'll be able to do such a thing again. Again, it doesn't make any sense because the British are going to, if that's what they all believe, if that's the truth, then the British are going to seriously tighten their observation and control over Russians in the UK. So if the Russian government wanted every Russian in the UK, living in the UK, to be under an intelligence spotlight, then that's what they've achieved. Why would they want to do that? How does it benefit Russia? Right. You see, you have to follow through. This is explaining your work. Yeah. And they're not doing it. Mm -hmm. They're not following it through. They stop at... They just go as far as they need to, to to make it sound like it's a plausible reason to justify what they want to believe, which is that Russia is evil because they've been programmed. And there's the other aspect of human behaviour: is that it's uh, our human psychology is that it's, uh, human beings are eminently programmable just by, this, by propaganda. You know, it's, this
0: question was asked immediately afterwards in early March. Um, I think uh, even in the mainstream commentators in the Guardian were wondering why on earth Russia would do this um, on the eve of elections. Right. which were likely, of course, going to re-elect Vladimir Putin. Why would he do this? And the narrative that was put out to block that was that the psychology of Russians is different. There, Russian people are drawn to someone who shows his brutality, which, you see what I mean? They were that, forced to think about exactly right, that point, Well, right. the psychology of people is that they're put off by that. Ah, well, the psychology in Russia is different. Russians are drawn to someone who who displays barbarism and they would likely vote for him in higher numbers as a result. In fact, look what happened. He got a 60, a 70, some incredibly high um, percentage of the vote. That's precisely, you see, the vote shows our um, analysis of the psychology of Russians not was nice. accurate but not and, nice. and they are weird. But not necessarily. Or whatever.
1: Yeah, but not necessarily obviously because the fir- first premise is where's your evidence for it? Where's your evidence that all Russian people voting in the election are the kind of people who like someone, like a leader who goes and assassinates people? Where's your evidence for that? Of have course. no evidence, it's okay? Absurd. So if you have no evidence, you're making a claim, dismiss it. There's no reason to believe that. Secondly, when you, when you dismiss that, then you're left with the question of, well, why did they vote for overwhelmingly for Putin? Well, they voted overwhelmingly for Putin probably in that case, because they didn't believe uh, the 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 propaganda narrative of Putin killed the Skripals, yeah. they most of the Russian people saw that as um, correct. They, they saw it as a, as a as a. It increased the stock of Putin in the minds of the Russian people, but not because he was an assassin, but because they saw him being unfairly accused or being hysterically accused of committing these crimes, and it's just one of many going back several years. And the Russian people say, "Well, listen." this is bullshit. Uh, he's off, and in fact, they, they, take, they probably take the approach, many of them, that he must be doing something right.
0: Mm-hmm. Furthermore, the perpetrators lose um, They lose the battle of hearts and minds abroad by doing that. The risky, extra risky wager in doing something like this is that it's to win the hearts and minds of the domestic population right. in the West in general. Did it increase potent stock or decrease it? Hard to say, but from all appearances, the the, help, the a lot of skepticism in the last, over the last 6 months right from the get go
1: in the UK in the UK right so and that's where
0: that so so they, they may they have actually
1: increased putin's popularity and at, home actually, and abroad. And, and at home and abroad and also decreased their own credibility exactly. among the local their own home population the british people would have, exactly. a lot of a certain number of them certainly would have Joined the camp of my God. The government's just making shit up here. Yeah. I can't believe what they say. People, people see it as those who already believe that the media and the government t- tends to lie. This would have allowed them to reconfirm uh, their belief that that's the case. So,
0: yeah. However, they're nothing if not persistent. Right. They so, just double down on it for six months. There's there's no suspects. Right. He's just just saying just Russia just Russia is is obviously not enough. But now six months later. They have an interesting coup or goal, late goal in the game, which they're crooning over. I mean, they think this is a slam dunk. You know, it's hilarious watch, watching the, the British commentariat respond to this. Um, namely that on September 5th, they announce details on a police investigation that uh, they have two men identified. Here's They start showing all the uh, stills from the CCTV footage. They fly into London. They're very briefly in the UK. They go to Salisbury twice.
1: And they're there for two nights actually
0: two nights yeah, yeah. September second to the fourth yeah and then as, as their timing of their exit from the u k is therefore on the face of it' suspicious because they leave that evening that uh, after the script files are poisoned um and they announce a whole slew of other there's uh, there's a whole little story, an update um on what the evidence they have when I'll quoted here, one of the keys to identifying these two men um sometime who knows when in the intervening six months. I imagine soon afterwards, but they sat on it for six months. Anyway, one of the keys to identifying these two guys lay in the discovery of traces of Novichok in their hotel room in London. They f- they later said these attackers were almost certainly using false names, although the Russian passport they travelled on were genuine. That's well, a very specific and detailed thing to know. Almost certainly using false names, but you know their passports are legit, i.e., that's their real names, as far as the Russian civilian citizen system is concerned. Yes, they were issued this passport. I.e., it corresponds with a birth certificate. That's the actual. I, names it's of in these the
1: two database guys. of legitimate uh, passports when it was scanned at the uh, at Heathrow Heathrow Airport.
0: Yeah, there's no reason for it to be
1: flagged. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. That's very specific info that probably they had early on. Because why not? It mm. wouldn't take you six months to find that no, out in this day not. and age. As soon as you have one well, piece had, of data on someone you can find out everything.
1: They had to apply for a visa that was issued by the British Embassy. The British government has issued these guys with a visa and had all of their credentials. I mean, I don't know if you ever applied for a visa, but you have to give quite a lot of information on your visa application. Yeah. And, and they have not. all that they had all that from the before they arrived.
0: And it's been a couple of years Before now, the Scripples They've were. been tight with Russians. Right. And going anywhere in Europe it's 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 hard, you know, it's it's not a straightforward issue anymore. Like a formality, let's say, as mm-hmm. it would be for any other citizen. George Galloway um zoomed in on this in one of his latest pieces on um the Scripple saga. He points out that um, Scotland Yard's assistant commissioner, Neil Basu, B-A-S-U, who's the head of UK counter-terrorism policing, was asked specifically at a press conference by a BBC reporter, what kind of visa did the Russians enter Britain on? His reply was, I don't know.
1: I don't know. Yeah, well, he lied. Right there, you've got someone who's lying. It's,
0: and as Galloway then comments, it wasn't that for operational reasons he didn't want to say, but that he didn't know. Mm. Galloway goes on, I actually know this guy personally, I respect him, yada, yada. I know that he cannot have failed in the intervening six months to ask that question of the Home right. Office. Where is the process for them getting into the country? Let me have a look at it. The only logical inference, Galloway writes, is that the Home Office, which obviously vetted his visa, their visa applications, refused to tell this counterterrorism
1: guy. Mm-hmm. Mm, so yeah. he, he
0: was sincere probably. In, he, right. It's, yeah, it's more likely know. he was sincere in saying, I don't know,
1: Right. I'm out of that loop. I, some, well, someone didn't give them the information, so someone is hiding something. There's compartmentalization of information there within the British state. There's certain groups that know what's going on, other groups want to give, given a certain amount of information so they can follow through with the investigation, so they can come to a certain conclusion and the, and the real details are hidden from a lot of people. Would you ago. agree
0: that right there, that's a clue that they were, or should, it, should loud, uh, let into the state by interested parties within the
1: UK? Oh, so, well, yeah, it's a, it's a good possibility, yeah. Come on in.
0: Yeah. Then, of course, I mean, just, uh, then, this blows up on September 5th, that their names and images of them and their trip go public. In the intervening time, Putin's asked about it at some conference. He says, we know who these guys are. He suggests they go public, to speak brilliant. to someone. Late last week, they call the, the cell phone of the editor-in-chief of RT. hmm they go for that weird interview and it is weird.
1: It's weird, but yeah, it's, it's, hard to fathom what those guys are about. But, uh, I think we can say fairly with, with a reasonable amount of confidence that they're not seasoned spies, because this goes back to kind of showing your, the journalists that are proposing that these guys, were the, the, these, that they were the assassins need to show how they come to the conclusion and show how, for example, these two guys, as seasoned spies, would be, after the fact, burned effectively by the Russian government, by Putin, saying, go on TV, talk to the press, tell your story. That's not what seasoned spies do. Uh, Intelligence agencies and governments in major countries spend a lot of time and effort to develop the skills necessary for a person to be an intelligent agent, they're, they're very valuable assets. You don't just, on a whim, say, yeah, go and expose yourself on TV there. I mean, the last thing any intelligent covert or whatever ed- intelligent uh, agent wants to happen is to be exposed publicly, to be to be interviewed by the cameras of the world. That doesn't happen. So that right there argues for them not being... Uh, well, I mean, people making this claim would have to explain how, why why the Russian government would do that, why the Russian... Uh, intelligence service would do that to, to these guys i mean <laughs> but then again obviously they're not seasoned intelligence assets right so that's mm-hmm. why they can't go on tv and they're not seasoned intelligence agents because first of all they couldn't if they if they apparent if they did uh try to kill uh the script they weren't able to do it and then they left some of their navi chalk whatever whatever that is uh navi chalk it's a perfume i believe a lady's perfume in a nina Rich nina richie perfume bottle that was later then a f- couple of months a few months later picked up in some flop house by um Don sturgis and charlie rowley Don Sturgis died as a result she apparently sprayed picked up this perfume bottle and sprayed it on her wrist according to the guy charlie who's still alive and that's but how apparently she, he's and on
0: the way out too he's got he's meningitis got me- he's got
1: meningitis just recently in the past uh, week or so uh, week or 10 days he came down with meningitis, was losing his eyesight and stuff, but they're not, they're not sure if that was...
0: Uh, well, is that from a, being... Well, they
1: don't know if that was associated or not. Drug but takers. The, well, the guy's, yeah, he's got a history of being, he's a drug addict, you know, he's got a history of drug, drug addiction. So, um, th- I, uh, those two, though, I think that was a separate operation, most likely.
0: Or an unintended consequence. No, I think it was a separate operation. Right. If you
1: look, if you look deeply into it, Scribal was one thing, and and Sturgis and Rowley were a separate operation.
0: To keep taking over during the summer. Yeah, it was, the it was an add-on during
1: the World Cup. Yeah, yeah. Uh, It wasn't as a result of the bottle lying for three months yeah. in some ditch or something that they then picked up and used uh, the bottle of you know perfume slash Novichok. Well things ridiculous. Uh, that was you know placed there or given. In somewhere, or they put into their, into their hands directly or indirectly, um, as a way to, like you said, keep it taken over. You know, Which being so if,
0: heroin users it's an interesting drug connection to this. Um, the story the two Russians gave for why they were in the UK, they gave they didn't give a straight answer because they gave two answers. One was there we were there for pleasure. It was a, a holiday, and then the other was, kind of as a general answer to why they travel anywhere and partly also f- for the specific visit to the UK was to research vitamins supplements uh, supplements for, for, for working wait, out for steroids or similar they didn't say steroids enha- en- performance enhancing stuff
1: but it could be construed that they may have been involved in, in in procuring and selling and providing steroids which are you know illegal in most Western countries anyway, and probably in Russia as well. That would
0: assuming there's some nugget of truth to that answer they gave, that might account for their shadiness and evasiveness and literally like sweating bullets <laughs> during that interview.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, they do have something to hide. Right. The British and Western press is saying that's a slam dunk for why these two shifty Russians well voila, you have the suspects, they admitted they were there. So there's something to hide, but the mm. chances of it being that they were involved with targeting yep. something as high level as this targeted assassination attempt on a former Russian citizen and military intelligence officer mm-hmm. is small. But here's yeah. where it gets spooky. Someone probably set them up yeah. to be there.
1: Most likely. Why would they be anywhere near? Because the problem with them, their trip to Salisbury is that they didn't. Initially, when they got to Salisbury on the tr- in the train from Salisbury train station, they walked in the opposite direction of the centre of town and Salisbury Cathedral and any attractions they might want to see, they walked in the opposite direction and towards towards Sergei Skripal's house.
0: On the tra- second day. I think on the first day they arrived and it was too slushy and snowy. Right, there they was didn't nowhere to go. They hung around for an hour, they said, drinking coffee.
1: Right, And, and went we back. Right.
0: Then why come back again? Right, And the, the, yes, the British... CCTV evidence is sp- very specific. You can see them arrive from the train at the train station at this time. Mm-hmm. Now they're captured on camera leaving this street, now that street, and then they go down a long street, and the last CT- CCTV evidence of them in Salisbury places them just 400 yards or so from Skripal's home right. all in, of that all in a residential the, suburb.
1: Their behavior going to Salisbury suggests that someone, they were waiting on a phone call.
0: A meeting. They were a me- expecting
1: the, a meeting. Meeting to, to meet someone and for someone, I'll give you a call when you get there. Let me know. Text me whenever you get there. They get there, text send a text, say, We're here, we're in the train station. No response. Nothing. Nothing happens.
0: By the way, assuming they have any kind of mobile communication, mm-hmm. where's the evidence for that? You may as well dump that data out there right. but they don't.
1: Right. Of course, they, yeah, surely they were communicating with uh, with uh, well not surely but they it's likely that they would have been communicating with someone right they may have either had a cell phone with them or maybe they bought cell phones when they were there pay-as-you-go cell phones Um so they arrive in Salisbury no contact nobody calls them they go back home back to London they get a text later on in London oh sorry got tied up tomorrow for sure they go back to Salisbury the next day they get a text message or whatever phone call tells them to go to in this direction. Meet us at this gas station. In fact, the place that they were caught on CCTV was outside a Shell gas station. There's a camera out, you know, as part of the of the gas station. That's what they've seen, which was 400 yards from Sergei Skripal's house. There's no evidence that they. I don't know if there is any CCTV at Sergei Skripal's house. According to his niece, he had installed CCTV in his own house, but there's never been any evidence of anybody. They haven't released any. You know they haven't commented on whether that's true or not. But his niece said that he had CCTV outside his house, which is likely in his case, given his history. Absolutely. Uh, so you would imagine that uh, it would be running, and that if those guys, whoever, came up to the door, would be would be on the CCTV. But they're not releasing that information or those images. Um, no, the whole scenario is you have to believe it. You have to assume that the Russian government sent these two guys, or the Russian um, intelligence service sent these two guys, who. You would assume are trained and uh, able for the job. Sent them to the UK to kill Sergei Skripal and told them to don't wear any disguise. Don't wear a fake beard. Don't uh, wear baseball caps. I mean, spies are well known for wearing wigs. Use Mossad the... wears wigs. They dress up as women. All that kind of stuff. When they Use kill, the... when they when they killed the Hamas guy in Dubai uh, several, several years ago a bunch of them. They're all dre- One of them was dressed up as a woman. Yeah, so they're, they're, they're Irish passports, New Zealand passports. Irish passport, dodgy passports, but apparently the Russians can't do this. But Russian, Russian spies can't travel on foreign passports. No,
0: they have to use the one they they to... issued them ten years ago. Right.
1: The... So, and they have no ability in spycraft whatsoever. They don't know how to disguise themselves. They, they stay
0: together the whole time. They stay
1: together. They walk past as many CCTV cameras as they can and look at them so that their faces are clear. Then they get to the target's destination and they are unable to actually Achieve the objective, which is supposedly to kill Sergei Skripal. He survived and he's alive today. Um, and then after doing that, instead of getting the hell out of there, after poisoning Sergei Skripal, they go, decide to go um, go shopping, souvenir shopping in, in Salisbury Town, where they're also seen on CCTV cameras. Is that what you would do? That really is brazen. That's why they've been using the word brazen. Brazen attack. Because they're using that word from the from the beginning, you know the, the British government it was a brazen attack, and they're using it advisedly, I think, because they realized that for this to for this to make any sense whatsoever, people have to suspend disbelief they
0: have to suspend even beliefs that have been formed in them by hollywood movies right because at least there the plots are halfway consistent but this is so nebulous and in the air they're being asked to suspend what they're culturally programmed to right. expect in this kind of scenario right you must suspend even that.
1: yeah so not only do they not kill him seen all over the place don't disguise themselves don't kill their target then also leave and the oh, murder weapon behind don't take the murder weapon with you leave it behind right that's that's normal right i mean do you have to be a spy even to know that? If you're going to go and kill someone? Do you, is it not fairly common knowledge that, I'm assuming, if you're ever in that position, that you would like not leave the murder weapon in open display? Anyway, uh, and by not. the official
0: narrative, arrive at the crime scene, or one of the crime scenes, because they left it open, namely his house, at roughly midday, because their last scene at the petrol station uh, CCTV, was the timestamp's 11.58 mm-hmm. as published, mm-hmm. so at most, at minimum, five or ten minutes later, they're up by his house,
1: mm-hmm.
0: where the Skripals have left, which we've three known for six previous, months, three they're in the previously. pub getting schlockered on the way to where will we go for lunch.
1: Right, and that's so, the Skripals left left the house at nine, about nine o'clock to go into town, they didn't come back, so the... The two guys go to the Scrippal house at midday about, paint the stuff on the doorknob as per the narrative, but the Scrippals have already been poisoned because they already left the house at nine o'clock and they're in town where they then succumb to the effects.
0: After lunch, sometime around four o'clock on a park
1: bench. Uh, None of it makes any sense whatsoever, which is a a big indicator that you're being sold a line of bullshit.
0: And then they survive. An attack by the deadliest nerve agent known to man, mm-hmm. or in the ballpark, live to tell the tale. Then don't speak to the media, and right. all disappeared. Witness protection. Yeah. Well, there was one media appearance by Julius Skripal. Right. A scripted Skripal appearance. Yeah.
1: So you use Occam's razor here, and you just go, "What's the most likely situation?" None of that fits. It's not possible, according to the official narrative, for this to be. It's not a plausible explanation that these guys. Did anything that they're accused of doing that the Russians were involved in killing Skripal at all? There's far too many holes, far too many problems with the stories, far too many inconsistencies. It doesn't make sense. So, what's people's problem? Is just going, okay, well then probably wasn't that. Let's look for some other, more plausible, explanation. Can people not do that? No, they can't.
0: Using Occam's razor, is their story satisfactory? We just two tourists. We happen to be there. They're only seeing us out because we're Russian. Yeah. Do you think that's possible?
1: No. I mean, based on their interview and based on the situation, on their trip to to Salisbury, um, it sounds like what we... It's more likely to be what we've kind of fleshed out uh, previously, which is that someone put them there.
0: Someone led them them there. They
1: have some dealings, business dealings, as they've admitted to with sports supplements and whatever else around Europe. They're involved in something, have been for several years. Coming to Europe to look at sports supplements quote-unquote, and and to develop products as a result of it for back in Russia. Who knows? All sorts of different things. Mm -hmm. And they've come and gone to Switzerland and various European countries several times. This was one of those trips. Of course they have business contacts. How hard is it for someone to pose as a business contact, establish a relationship, and get them to go to Salisbury on that day? Not very hard at all. Especially given these two guys don't seem to be, you know, I'm not saying they're stupid, but they're just the average Joe's, or seem to be.
0: Yeah. um, On the issue of the previous, the British media reporting like a dozen visits to Geneva, Mm. something really high. And they said, no, it was only a a couple. It's exaggerated. Um, But in their defense, one of them just blurted out. it's perfectly normal to go to Geneva. It's the shortest route to Mont Blanc. Yeah. (laughs) You can see how that looks. They're obviously like fishy so it's probably yeah it's probably they're involved in something that's at least gray area so sports supplements of course with the whole backstory of the russian state um, sponsorship of uh giving athletes performance enhancing drugs so that's kind of nebulously left in the
1: air too if not not just not the russian state but that guy i've forgotten his name now that we talked about in the past who was the whistleblower for a Russian doping scandal, who is a completely a psychologically unstable character, appeared on t- on on YouTube for an interview with a balaclava on and stuff and the people currently were under him. witness protection somewhere in, in the, the USA. Uh, the, so Where are the script was uh, pulled right. So there is through. right. So there's a history of people in the US at certain point of as, at a certain time in the past, um, developing performance enhancing drugs, as is the case in every country in the world, literally, almost for every major sporting country in the world. Um, so there may, be, there may be some tie in there or some, some connection with that, you know, and mm. it, so it's it's a very touchy subject. But like you said, I think that's the most plausible. I mean, we're just going for the most plausible explanation here. Yeah. We're leaving ideology and anti-Russia hit campaign aside and trying to look at the facts and trying to come up with a plausible scenario that fits with the movements of these guys and the, and the, the general picture of the, mm. of the situation, which obviously involves the ongoing five, six, seven year long anti-Russian, a fierce anti-Russia uh, propaganda war being waged by Western countries, particularly the US and the UK, against Russia for very clear geopolitical reasons. Right? And that's what we've been trying to, and that's, that's people need to put, when you, when, you, when you want to understand any event like this that has major media attention, <clears> that involves Russia in particular, you need to be able to place that event in a context.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Otherwise you won't understand it. If you look at it in isolation. And you'll be fed a lies by the media. You have to put it in context. And the, the context in which it must be placed. Which I've repeatedly said. In various different places and ways. Is that it's in the context of. An ongoing geopolitical war. Between Russia primarily. And the USA. And, and the UK. And its, their partners. Uh, for. Control of the world, if you want to be dramatic about it, for global hegemony and all the different ways that that manifests. And Russia is a threat to U.S. global hegemony, and they're clearly seen as such. So people need to understand that this is the game. If you look at it like using a sporting analogy, it's a game that people have. have, It's a sports game in a certain Mm. sense that people have come into the middle of, let's say. People are just waking up to what's going on, trying to figure it out. So imagine that you just come into a sports stadium where a game has is already well underway. And you need to understand, first of all, well, who are the two teams? Who has most to lose? Is there a reigning champion? Is it is the final? Yeah, let's call it the final. There's a reigning champion who has most to lose. And there's a, an upstart um, challenger who is vying for the title, let's say. The reigning champion has most to lose. He wants to retain the title, keep the title, otherwise he's fallen from grace. The, the upstart has very little to lose. He, if he loses, he's just an upstart. He stays the way he was. But if he wins, he's the new champion. You're going to understand that that's the kind of context in which you know the, the, the game is, is playing out. And then what are the rules of the game? Well, there are no rules of the game, effectively. It's the rules of the game are whatever you can get away with. And it's not, it doesn't mean anything goes. It means anything goes as long as you can get away with it. And who you, the, the people you have to convince are the spectators. You, the member of the public watching this game. You have to be convinced that the dirty moves being carried out by one team or the other are not really dirty moves. They have to be covert dirty moves. You know, if one of them, like, I don't know, secretly digs the other one in the stomach or something, or uses some dirty tax, or is using performance enhancing drugs or whatever, but is trying to cover it up. As long as they can get away with it, then it's, it's fair. What we're trying to do simply, I suppose, is point out the unsportsmanlike conduct in this game, because that then sways the population. Because even if you're, people are there to support one team or the other, a lot of people are there to support the reigning champion in America. But if they knew that America was engaging in very unsportsmanlike competition, because they think that it's just it's a game, see who wins. Whoever's, whoever's ideology, uh, whoever's the strongest will win. But what if the, that's not the case? What if there's dirty moves being made? Maybe the other team have been poisoned, to use <laughs> an appropriate uh, uh, analogy, um, or any other dirty moves you can you, you, they can carry out. We're simply trying to expose to the public, to the audience that's watching the game, look, did you see what's happening there? That's actually not fair. And in that situation, the supporters of the of the champion of the champion of the reigning champion might not might no longer be so supportive of them. Mm-hmm. They may say, "Well, actually, as much as I like my team, that's not really fair." You and know? they might
0: switch to the new winning team.
1: They may they may throw their support behind the other team as the underdog, the being being unfairly accused. So in, that's a, it's, a, it's a decent enough analogy. And it has some truth to it in a certain sense with the idea of reigning champion and, and competitor and challenger and stuff, you know, as it relates to America and, 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 and Russia. So people need to understand it in that context. Because, I mean, if you don't, if you don't have those, those de- that data, you'll not really know what's going on. you see, just see a bunch of players running around the field, you know, beating each other, jumping each other, attacking each other, trying to win something. And you, you won't understand the context, you know, so you won't be able to understand the nuances and the little plays that happen because you don't understand what's at stake. And what's being played for, and what the rules of the game are. And the most important thing you have to remember is that the rules of the game are anything goes as long as you can get away with it. And in that context, then start to analyze individual events like scriptal poisoning.
0: Yeah. Well, what if people go, well, why, why such a puny incident? I mean, it involves an old guy, his daughter, they're not even British. It's, chem- it's it's billed as a chemical warfare attack and the country's under siege potentially by this. It seems so puny, you know. Why this attack? Why, why this dirty move in the game? There are surely bigger and better ones.
1: Well, it's, pre- it's pretty bodacious, I don't know. It's part of, I mean, it's uh, it can't be, as we've mentioned in the previous shows, it can't be divorced from the whole situation in Syria in mm-hmm. a certain sense where, Russia has been accused of uh, aiding and abetting or supporting the Syrian government, which is what? Engaged in...
0: Chemical warfare against its own people.
1: Right. And then that big player supporter of Assad and the Syrian government is accused of... Conducting
0: chemical warfare against its own people, but in another country, right? Right.
1: Um, So it's a narrative that's being pushed here, and it's like we've said previously, this geopolitical war... And what we've said, it's also the reason why we said previously on many occasions when people were crapping their pants about World War III is going to break out between the US and Russia. We were saying, no, it's not going to happen because what's actually on, ongoing, even as people were crapping their pants about that, is that it was very clear that what was ongoing was a geopolitical propaganda war. And that was, it had long, been, long since been decided that that was the primary, primary focus of the war between, the Third World War between Russia and the US is a propaganda war and a vicious propaganda war. I mean, go back to MH17 in Ukraine. I mean, think of how badly or the worst way you could demonize a public figure.
0: Have him him accused of killing, pinned with blowing blowing a third party plane out of the sky.
1: 250 some civilians, civilians, including babies, and then put across the broadsheets of the Western world. That person, Putin, killed my baby with a picture of the baby. Is there anything worse than a baby killer? Right, no. So, I mean, in the context of this war, that's it's pretty fierce, like, that's I mean, judicious. that's top level, right? Yeah. That's a nuke. Yeah. That was a nuke- nuclear strike, like, basically, in this propaganda war, Right. and that's one of many. I mean, they just have a lower level uh, salvos going on all the time, and they're, they're incessant. And they're not doing it for no reason. They're doing it because they see it as a war an active, hot war that they're that they're waging and it that it has it has a possible uh, there's a possible victory to be had from it i think they're delusional and there's no victory to be had from it but that but again you go back to human psychology and people delude themselves all the time you know but also there's the aspect of western governments wanting to justify their own positions we're under threat the UK population under threat from evil Russians. What do you do? What does a population do when it's under threat from a foreign enemy? Well, it looks, it, it, it embraces ever more strongly the authoritarian leadership, right? So it's all good from that respect, from the perspective of governments justifying their positions and even entrenching their positions and entrenching their control and their power because I want everybody to know or to remember why right. they, need they need us. Them. So uh, from their perspective across the board, it's all, it's all good.
0: Are they delusional in their core belief driving this, the core belief, the core elephant motive coming up from below, let's say? Are they deluded um, or are they onto something vis-a-vis the primary concept behind all of this, which is that Russia is trying to supplant the United States in Europe?
1: Are they delusional? No.
0: Do you think that there is actually meat to that, that there's substance, that is what's going on?
1: Russia's doing it from, is trying to increase its influence yeah. uh, with, with as many people in the world as possible. But obviously Europe with 500 plus million people right on its doorstep is a very attractive market for for, for Russia and for doing business and just for influence for, for and even the idea of Eurasian integration if that's part of the Russian plan as it seems to be the, obviously the Chinese plan and Russia seems to be on board of it the idea of knitting Europe together and the problem is like we've said many times in the past if you have if Eurasian integration really catches on and takes hold then America will be isolated primarily for geographic reasons i.e. Eurasia is one landmass um, and America sits 3,000 miles across the ocean. Uh, America sees that as a, as a problem for it, that it will lose its place as the dominant player in the world, in the global game. Uh, it, it will lose its, its prestige and its position and its influence and its power uh, as a result of what Russia wants to do. But that doesn't say that Russia isn't doing, isn't acting against the USA. Right. Russia is acting for its own interests. It just so happens that America sits at the top table, at the top of the top table, and gets a lot, a disproportionate amount of the of the food at the table. Mm-hmm. And it's able to maintain that disproportionate position or imbalance through, through force and through all the ways that it, that it maintains its control in the world. Now you have Russia coming along and saying, I don't really think this is fair anymore, and I think I want a, a more equal distribution of the food based on, you know, Power and influence, and, and the fact that we can get more if we want it, we're going to try and get more of the food. Now, big, uh, big America sitting at the top table sees okay. that and says, "So you're saying you're going to take food away from me? That doesn't seem fair. I don't like that. Of course, it doesn't like that. It's not. I mean, you're going to have to, America's going to have to tighten its belt. It's going to have to go on a bit of a diet, right? Um, but it's not that Russia is acting against it. It's just that America is overfed but of course an overfed person is used to being overfed when someone says listen time for you to tighten your belt they're gonna kick and scream and cry and say no freaking way and how dare you and this is terrible and you're evil and I hate you yeah But does that mean that it's unfair it's we're beyond the realm of fair or unfair we're just it's just a matter of a natural you know disbalance to rebalancing and of course subjectively people would see it as unfair and especially the one who is going to lose or has to lose for the rebalancing to happen. But, you know, Crimea River like uh, ultimately because you can't you can't you can't say okay let's let us let us let big fat america eat all the food and let's just deal with the deal with the the imbalance and the you know the, the fact that we have to take a hit as a result and stuff. I mean, that's not an option either.
0: So in a way Washington and London are not deluded. About how they see things. No, they have a lot to lose in yeah. the grand scheme. And what it comes down to is a moral value judgment on the part of the domestic populations as to whether or not it's fair that Russia unpacks its potential influence and starts to impose to itself, to the extent that it can, in this near abroad and even further abroad.
1: Yeah, to the population, it's unfair.
0: Yes. to, to do, the public. do people accept In other words, do people accept that the battle going on in the Western media is to keep the minds of people against Russia doing right. what it's doing. For example, intervening in Syria to wipe out ISIS and to uphold right. the Syrian regime. Right. Um, you know, a lot of people are swayed by that because, of course, ISIS was, at Deep. the time, ten years from five years ago, the ultimate evil. And, yeah, anyone who could help out with that would be great. Right. Um, so, and then if they, you know, think about it further and in a real politic terms, but why not? You know, Russia's entitled to have mm. a say in the Middle East right. too, et cetera, et cetera, and so on. But
1: not if, he's a, not if he's a baby killer.
0: Right. So that's meant those dirty Those demonizations
1: is, are to undercut Russia's legitimacy in anything that it's it does. It's moral legitimacy. It's moral legitimacy right. in anything it does. And that's the war, that's the propaganda war that's going on, that's being waged in a vicious way by the West to undermine the legitimacy of the Russian state and the Russian people, as you kind of mentioned earlier on, the way they characterize the Russian people of loving someone who kills people. You know, that's why Putin's popularity increased yeah. after the Skripal business because Russian people say, yeah, we like a guy who kills people, innocent people in, in foreign countries. So they're undermining the legitimacy of the Russian government, the, the head of the Russian government and and now and again, the Russian people, Russia in toto basically, mm-hmm. uh, as a way to prevent... Um, I suppose it's almost like... To prevent Westerners
0: al- from finding things attractive yeah, in Russians, not it's, just the way they govern themselves, yeah. but other ideas. It's
1: almost like they're, they realize, certain people realize that if Russia is seen in a favorable light, just seen, just that, that if the perspective of Western peoples changes towards Russia and sees Russia as, Russia as positive and Putin as a, as, a, as, a, as a good person, as a normal person, it's okay, um, that that will actually translate into on-the-ground physical increases in Russia's reach and uh, share of the and, food. and influence and share of the food. That, that there's, a, there's a direct correlation between those two, and that's why you have to wage that propaganda war. I mean,
0: I'm not sure
1: if they know the physics of it or if there is any right, physics to it, but simply the idea that if Russia is seen in a positive light, that that will translate to actual physical... Um, an increase in, in uh, a physical increase in Russia's influence, and in, in it, maybe in its economy, uh, in its wealth, you know what I mean? So if some, for some, from something very abstract of the way someone looks at, sees someone, to a physical manifestation of a positive result, yeah. uh, as a result of that but It, it, it provides
0: It provides us with a useful insight into the Western mind and it's equivocation of moral good. right? Uh, the mission civilatrice of the last X hundred years years—we're going around today. It's we're going around spreading freedom and democracy. So it's, it's justification for getting most of the goods.
1: Mm-hmm. Is that, Is it's, that all... it's, it's morally good? Well, look at Iraq, freedom and democracy. I mean, a physical invasion, an occupation around the country was to a large extent based on or fueled by a perception of what America was and what America could bestow on the world, America's image. So America's image as the most free, wonderful, greatest democracy on the planet is just a perception. But that perception was leveraged and actually resulted in 100,000 troops going to Iraq to free the people, to bestow this, this goodness, this moral goodness on, on the people of Iraq without that because they've done it you could go back to 911 without 911 and the change in perception or the emotional outpouring that resulted from the 911 attacks the emotional outpouring of the american people would the us government at the time under bush have been able to justify the invasions and occupations of iraq and afghanistan without 911 without the result of 911 which was the emotional trauma that And the rallying around the flag and the support for country, the support for our team, Mm -hmm. that was leveraged into a physical invasion and occupation and destruction in the case of Iraq and partially in the case of Afghanistan and the placement of US military installation interests in the Middle East. And then you can knock on to Libya and Syria today.
0: I'm going to answer no, it would not have been enough. I.e. 9-11 had to happen for those things to happen. However, historically, that was unnecessary. Um, If you think of the alleged insults that provoked the United States to launch its um, wars of conquest in Central America and the Caribbean in 1898, nominally a war against Spanish colonies, that was provoked by the sinking of the Maine, a contrived event, um, obviously then you've got the Lusitania to get the US into World War One. you've got Pearl Harbor, that's a pretty big insult in, in scale, and then you've got the Gulf of Tonkin incident, but although they're relatively, they're happening over there, it's not a direct thing, but it did. Oh, it always took a little something to get a campaign going. Maybe in those days it wasn't so necessary because it was more self-evidently, the, the collective belief was stronger that our getting more for us is morally good in, her, in, in itself, that they didn't need such big provocations, but with the way the world's changing in the in more recent decades and the interconnectedness of things. I think it was mm-hmm. dawning on more and more Westerners that the moral issue of what have we done in the past, our colonial history, maybe we shouldn't be like that anymore. We
1: can't do that anymore. Can't we can't justify that anymore. So they
0: needed something much bigger. They
1: needed to provoke mass emotional outpouring and rallying around the flag among the American people yeah. to, to, to do what they did as a result of 9-11. That seems to be uh, self-evident. I mean, it's, it's what happened. So to, at the very least, it's a plausible uh, you know, explanation. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. Um, are there any?
0: There, there were a couple of items that um, were thrown in in the last 10 days or so of
1: the revelations
0: about these two Russian agents, in quotes. Um, unrelated. I mean, not really related to them, but it stems from the same investigation. Um, Scotty, can you bring up this one? I think I sent it to you. It's the BBC report. Um, That's the Guardian. Yeah, that one. That's from two days ago. This is separate, but they're releasing it now. They're announcing that, um, if you scroll down a bit, I'll read out the first bit. The two Russian men were arrested earlier earlier this year. This is not our two guys who went on RT. Um, they were arrested on suspicion of spying on a Swiss laboratory investigating the poisoning of Skripals. So it's, yeah, an ongoing investigation by a Swiss publication in league with a Dutch one. And they've been sitting on this apparently, but now it's the time to release it. Obviously that's time to amplify the current Mm -hmm. wave of Skripal saga. Um, Specifically, that lab, by the way, was the one that the, the samples from the Skripal's home, from the park bench were sent to, to investigate, yeah, what it was. And presumably, and then that lab, yes, that was the whole issue with that lab, that it did not confirm a positive right. result right. that this is Novichok mm. that comes from Russia. But it played along by confirming that it was a nerve agent. Yeah. They're so
1: definitely keeping it taken over because there's a, I mean, I don't put much credit in the Daily Star, uh, UK tabloid, but I also don't put much credit in the Guardian. I mean, the Guardian or the, the Times, whatever London or any broadsheet in the UK, in my opinion, has been is is at the same level as any of the gutter press, like the Daily Star. Uh, there's an article in that about um, saying there's the identities of the men suspected of the failed assassination in Salisbury were released days ago, and now two more wanted men have emerged, including a medic. British authorities are attempting to find a medic that they've nicknamed Dr. Novichok. <laughs> <laughs> and a fourth man who helped the duo target ex-spy Sergei Skripal, it is claimed. A Whitehall insider, totally unbiased, right? Whitehall is the seat of the British kind of uh, the securecrats, as they're called in, uh, in, in the British government, the unelected I suppose the British deep state, effectively, their 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 office is, is in Whitehall. So one an insider there, obviously unbiased, totally legit, uh, told the Sunday Mirror that the medic may have been involved to prevent cross-contamination and to be on hand if one of the assassins got poisoned accidentally by Novichok. It's a really bad kind of spy novel. You know, it's really... I would be insulted. Like, I would... I would be more willing to, you know... Uh, you know, enthusiastically engage with it if it was as good as some, you know, John Le Carré novels or something like that, or some good spy novels. Yeah. But this one is just full, so full of holes that anybody, if this was a story and you're reading it, you just you'd throw the book down because it's just like, this is bullshit. It's, it's totally inconsistent. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't follow the narrative of, of spy novels at all. Uh, it's totally, it's highly, it's absolutely implausible. And you just throw it away. It's a crap, it's a crap spy novel. This yeah. is a crap spy novel.
0: I suspect they can only go so far with periodically inserting nebulous seeds of doubt Mm. as opposed to actual useful pieces of evidence to help form a narrative because their opponent in this game is sitting on a pile of data themselves Mm -hmm. that can counter it. I mean, when Putin was asked, he said, well, we know exactly who they are. And then I followed up, well, are they military or civilian? Uh, They're most definitely civilian. It's not so much that I'm saying you take Putin on his word, but he's saying it so confidently because they know exactly what their purchasing history Mm -hmm. is, where they've been to. Even if they try to live a shady life as quasi criminals researching, you know, supplements or if it's something more in your face, like running drugs from here and there even if you try to hide, only use cash or whatever it is, or keep your phone off. It doesn't matter. In this world, your phone off is as much a tracking device as your phone on. Mm -hmm. If you make one credit card purchase, Mm -hmm. in other words, if you blow your cover at one point, it immediately leads to a whole other. They can still come up with the same kind of intensive profile of what you buy, therefore what your mind is, or uh, give you a psychographic profile of who you are. Mm -hmm. So anyway, back to my point. Everyone knows on both sides, roughly all there is to know. Right. But the British, in putting out their story of what happened, it's so crappy because if they go too far, then they're going to be totally exposed. So it must be left in a nebulous cloud Mm. of things. And they're hoping, like I said earlier, they're hoping and banking on just inserting enough doubt at each turn that the old beliefs that the public, the mass unconsciousness in the West generally had, that we're morally good will be upheld by showing that the opponent, who you're starting to think might be doing things on a better moral standing than you,
1: mm.
0: isn't. He's mm-hmm. at least down here in the dirt with us, if not lower. Lower, than us. ideally,
1: yeah, absolutely. Well, Just enough doubt
0: they hope, and it's a kind of a trade-off. I don't know how they calculate it. It's probably it's instinctive more than anything.
1: Yeah. 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 Absolutely, it's instinctive. It is, and that's the problem. You're not working with rational people who yeah. are aware of themselves and aware of their own motivations. It's all elephant and uh, the yeah. It's it's a hidden drive. It's it's you know base motivations for power. In the in the case of the people actually waging this war, it's base motivations for power, uh, and um, wealth. I suppose uh, it's just greed. Effectively, they're driven by greed, and then they create narratives to justify. They're quite, and they're they're. They're very complex. They're very intelligent people, and they're very um, devious people, and they know how to game a situation and to manipulate the public and all that kind of stuff. And uh, but we're not just we're just not having any of it. Basically, um, there was a funny a funny story there as to how these two guys got identified. Um, at least in part, the uh, police uh, from the past week or so, uh, just before their, their their faces were released, uh, police super recognizers helped ID suspects in Novichok poisoning. So these two guys were ID'd, at least in part, by <laughs> super recognizers. Uh, this is, you know, UK police. Uh, they have a cadre of what they call super recognizers. So Pe- people. Pe- people 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 that they've recruited who are supposedly able to um identify people from only having seen them briefly and many years later they can identify them again or identify people, like look at pe- picture of people when they're young and identify them very quickly uh, when they're older. But, so this was all over the news, super recognizers, so it was like, get me the super recognizers, this calls for super recognizers, let's uh, get them in here. Okay, super recognizers have done their job. But then, so it was all over the news, everybody, you know, big up in the British government, we've got super recognizers, you don't, tough shit. Uh, but then, after the fact, which is, you know, uh, just a day or two ago, uh, reports came out that, as uh, the one that you can see right there. Super recognizers employed by UK police to hunt criminals may not be identifying people correctly, study says. <laughs> um, so, there's another, you know, grandiose... This, this a variation
0: on the men who stare at goats. These are the men who stare at Russians.
1: Right, the men who stare at Russians or criminals or... From whoever. the
0: Department of Remote Viewing of the GCH. <laughs> Pretty much,
1: yeah. <laughs> and then it's, uh, but they're not really working, sir. Uh, they Keep identifying the wrong people. Shut up. They're super recognizers. They recognize whoever we tell them to. Recognise that person now. It's like a really crap, uh, apart from a crappy spy novel, it's like a crappy version of the X-Men, you know? Really crappy version of the X-Men. That's the only superpower they have, super recognizers, and it's not a very good one. Um, So yeah, there's, um, I don't know, the whole thing is a bit of farce, and uh, I mean, talking about Putin and Russia. It's farce, but
0: there were real consequences. I mean, remember 150-some diplomats were expelled within two weeks. Yeah, but they're all right.
1: I wouldn't feel too sorry for them.
0: Um... And I said to you earlier, well, what is it then that convinces all those other countries to tell the line? It can't be the nebulous story we're getting. And Theresa May did hint at it. You know, when she sent out a crappy four-page dossier publicly, they were pains to say, well, we have a ton more stuff and we'll be releasing it to partners on an ongoing basis. So clearly they have this story linking these two guys and other evidence that's enough to make... Other countries go, okay, yeah.
1: Again, I wouldn't put much... I don't want to be down on people all the time, but I wouldn't put much stock in the average member of uh, the government of a a European, or even the average leader of the government of a a European country, and the people who can make decisions to expel bureaucrats. That's the level of overt government, you know, where you make a diplomatic decision to expel those, and and someone in in the home office or, you know, the foreign ministry or whatever make that decision okay yeah we know as everybody knows we know who is in the russian embassy in 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 our country and we're just going to expel x number of them because they all have to register basically if you if you're going to be in the at a diplomatic mission in in a diplo- diplomatic mission in another country you have to register with the government of that country that you're there with them they have to know that you're there so getting from uh, Emmanuel Macron or the Greek Cyprus or whoever, the Spanish Prime Minister, to agree to expel some diplomats isn't very hard and doesn't take a lot of evidence. Uh, you know, it just needs bare bones type yep. thing, you know. And it's not again, it's not a big deal, you know. Uh, I mean, there's still a lot of, Russia still has embassies in all those countries and still has people. Uh, and it'll be quietly negotiated, I suspect, and over the next, you know, once this blows over. They'll they'll be back or different people will be back. They'll be back up to their full contingents fairly quickly, you know. Um, a lot of those people are expelled people maybe what printing passports or something. Um, who knows? Who knows? Who exactly? Who knows? But you make a show of it, right? You say twenty members of the Russian embassy in Madrid were expelled. Does that include the cleaning lady? Uh, did they give? De- they don't give details, right? Um, who are they who knows i mean this is it's there's a lot of bullshit around an awful lot of bullshit around but it's in terms of Putin and Russia putin and the Russian government can be completely blase about this, unperturbed and unimpressed by it because by now, after several years of this kind of ongoing propaganda defamation campaign against against russia by western governments they they know as well obviously as as we do. That's pretty much all they've got and sure it has negative, influence, negative impact and Russia has to fight against it, but they realize that when someone takes that, those extreme measures against you, they're afraid of something and what they're afraid of is the same thing that we know is happening, which is a shift away from West to East, well, a shift from glo- US global hegemony and dominance and in that situation, it's kind of like again to use a sporting uh, analogy tennis match. Let's go to tennis this time, since Serena Williams had a was right.
0: reigning a, champion. A good analogy. And uh, then she loses to an upstart well, and throws a hissy fit and launches ideology at her
1: women's rights. And starts attacking the judge, yeah. uh, the person who can decide. So, but it's because the judge. they were losing, is the point. They're the judge, what?
0: Well, there, the judge took the right side. That's yeah, the only thing. Well, exactly. but, Here, there's no.
1: Well, no, but that ultimately, the judge is history. Okay. And ju- and history is taking is is not taking a side, but history is, is History is working against America, and the evolution of the planet, and the evolution of technology, and the rise of other nations other than America, is part of history, and it's work, that's obviously working against America, and that's the thing that they're screaming about. So, it's kind of like uh, yeah, you're losing. A tennis match. So you start to insult your opponent. What does your opponent think? Oh my God, this is terrible! I might lose. No, they think, Wow, you're really phased. You, uh, you know, you know you're losing. Basically, you yeah. know that things are turned against you, and this is actually working against you because see- it emboldens the opponent. Emboldens opponent, but the, the opponent is thinking, Well, you're kind of stressing yourself out, and you're liable to make more mistakes because you're freaking out and acting in an irrational way. And you're doing it because you see the writing on the wall that I'm going to win. That you're going to lose. And you don't like it. So I, as the opponent, can feel fairly confident that I'm on the right track. The more you attack me, the more you give me reason to believe that what I'm doing is the right thing. And I'll just keep doing it. Says Russia. Yeah. Well, do we want to leave it there for this week? Yeah, I don't think there's much point in labouring that that story any longer because
0: well, sadly we might be back talking about
1: it. Because we may be if there's more like... nonsense comes up. But I mean, we've covered uh, like, a bit of ground there and <clears throat> tried to get at the heart of the matter really, which is yeah. very important. Like I said, it's the context you have to understand the context uh, in which these kind of events take place to understand the events themselves and to come to a proper conclusion about what the event, what actually transpired in the event, and and you know, what, and what it, what it means, why it happened. So I think we've, that, that's probably the most important thing. Context is is everything, really, in these matters. Yeah. All right, well, uh, we're going to leave it there for this week, folks. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this show, if you enjoyed the video, um, click the Like button, click Subscribe, and click the notification icon, bell, thing, uh, whatever it is, Scotty knows, because... Um, We like it when you do that for some reason i don't know why uh so uh we'll be back next week probably next week with another show on another topic so until then thanks for watching and have a good evening
0: see you next week bye